Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of DirectionsUniversity.com, the co-founder of TheLeveragist.com, and Divizio, D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, the all-new affiliate network for people doing good in the world. We have got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. We have the Associate Dean of DirectionsUniversity.com and my partner all around, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Hello. You were just at an amazing conference, and I would love to hear about it. Just a I little a bit. You need some highlights. Conferences. The Women's oh, yeah, that's right. Network on, I went to two in three days. So Women's Prosperity Network on Friday and Saturday is such an amazing group of women out there doing good in the world, truly serving. At that conference, there were over 500 such amazing women. And at the first opening session, they taught you not to go around asking people, so what do you do? So what do you do? Instead, you ask, so how do you serve? How do I serve this way? I mean, talk about uh, our kind of people. It was totally our kind of people, Jack. And then on Sunday, I switched from Orlando over to Tampa and went to Amplify being put on by Speaking Empire, where none other than Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank fame was speaking. So, great weekend. Awesome. And did they love the dog? That's all I really want to know is, how the dog Popeye was did. the hit of both events. He is so tired. <laughs> he is still sleeping, Jack. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, we have a really, we do have a really good show today. I'm really anxious to talk to our guest. His name is Louis Lavella, and he was a former music TV host, interviewing hundreds of A-list celebrities, and now turned entertain, entertainment branding expert with clients such as concerts, large music festivals, nightlife venues, and up-and-coming talent. He's not just a music marketing guy, though. He is also asked to consult on all types of business industries, taking his stories and experiences in the entertainment industry and how it applies to extremely well, uh, how it applies extremely well to all businesses. So, Louie, thank you so much. I can't wait to get into it with you. Well, thanks for having me on. Really exciting to be here. Thank you, guys. So we have to ask you like we ask everyone every week. What is the main thing that gets you out of bed in the morning right now, excited to be alive and be of service? Uh, what gets me out of bed and keeps me up at night, too, in a fun way, is just being able to do what you love to do. And I think that's a dream for every business owner, entrepreneur, or, or anybody who's found a job they love. Just being able to wake up and say, this is fun, and I like this, and I don't have to dread even things that don't go you know, correct. It just gets me out of bed and, and, and keeps me up, staying up, enjoying life. You know, I hear that a lot, and one of the things that has just occurred to me that never has before, you work with clients. We work with clients. What do you do when you know what the real thing is? You're living the real deal, at least as far as it concerns what makes you happy and how passionate you are to do it, what if you get a client that isn't in that kind of situation, like they're coming for help, and they think they're asking you about what can I do to make something better, get more uh, promotion, get more uh, traffic or more people to a venue, and you realize that they don't really love exactly what they're doing or at least how they're doing it. How do you handle that? knowing that you still want to get a client, <laughs> but they're, they're not even aware of the thing that has to probably happen before you guys sit down and talk about what they thought they wanted from you in the first place. Is that that's an issue? A great, yeah, it's a great question and, and great statement because that does happen 
I mean, I think that happens in every one of our businesses. But sure, especially in music and that, like marketing and festival marketing, just like you just explained, I do get people that come to me saying, my venue is no longer relevant. People don't want to come to it. I need help. But you're right. It becomes a mindset issue first. You know, they, they think about the old school of, of doing marketing. They're, they're spending money and trying things that aren't working, and they're asking for help. But then when you come sit down with them, maybe their ego gets in their way. Maybe their old school thinking gets in their way, and it becomes a mindset thing. They don't like what they do anymore. They can't see, you know, the bigger picture. And I have to try and get them excited back to their own business. Because what happens is yeah. when I give them advice or I work with them, they don't take that next level or they don't, they don't get excited about the possibilities and it becomes a bad client. You know, one of those clients that, you know, we always talk about firing, right? So I try, and, I try yeah. and fix that or identify that, talk to them, have a couple of meetings or phone calls and see if they have at least an inkling of their mindset changing. Otherwise, to be honest, I know we all want clients, I really don't work with them anymore. I know I, right. I was starting out, I want to take as many clients as possible, pay the bills kind of idea. But as, as you get further into your career, and that's anybody out there listening, you start to pick and choose good clients to work with. They're fun to work with. They're, you know you can make a great impact in their business and in their lives, and those are the kind of people you want to work with. So I try and get them to see, okay, it's not just a marketing problem here. This could be a mindset problem. You as a business owner or your brand needs some help. Let's go down that route first. You know, and, and try and give them blog articles, books, audio books, things like that that could help them get into an excited state of, of mind, and, and then things start to happen. But if they're very close-minded and they're not going to go that route, you know, basically what will happen is they will close. They'll go on a business or they'll just keep draining money yeah. whether I'm there to help them or not. So I try and give them that pre-warning that, you know, you're going down a dark path and I can't just come and create magic out of nothing. You need to do your part as well. And this is what I'm seeing here, and we need to try and fix that. <laughs> I was talking to a new client yesterday about uh, – it's for search engine optimization, marketing services, and things. And, and um, he was like many clients that come to us that uh, have done a lot of things. They've been down a pretty long road, and they have a backlog of somewhat confusing and and um, <laughs> you know you can see where they've gone in different directions with their content, with their messaging and everything over the years. And um, you can tell that they lost that fire in their belly that they had when they first started thinking about doing this business. You know, because it's so many of the details, all the cobwebs of all of the stuff that they've tried that didn't work, that they thought would work, and you know, their editorial calendar looks, looks like a hairy mess, and, <laughs> and they're confused, and they have forgotten. To me, a lot of them have just forgotten why they got into it in the first place, and it's lost that purity of that very first thing, that very first inkling when they couldn't go to sleep, and, you know, and they couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was so pure and simple back then that I've often started out things where I just try to reconnect people with that. Does that help? with you and in your business or absolutely it does and and sometimes when we sit down and we see all right the big picture is more traffic more customers millions of dollars whatever the big picture is and we deconstruct here's the plan and usually i would say 100 percent of the time it's not a very quick plan like we don't and same with you seo like it's not going to be like we're going to turn a switch and tomorrow you're rich it doesn't happen right but right. you know when they lose the fire they're looking for that, not just the spark, but the spark that's going to reignite this whole fire, right? So they get a little bit impatient. Right. It's, not, it's not their fault, but they really want things to happen quickly. So what I do is when we, when we create that big goal and we have this deconstruction of, of the calendar of what we're going to do and how we're going to get there, and I, I'd be very realistic to them, guys, it doesn't happen overnight, but I try and put in there a couple of, I guess, easy-to-attain goals. And that will start to cause that spark in their mind. You know, let's just get you better reach on these three Facebook posts. And let me show you how easy that is. This isn't going to bring in a thousand people this weekend, but now you're getting leverage. You're getting people, eyeballs back into your brand. And some of those things are, I mean, very easy for me to do, but since the bar is very low on some of those items, they can see quick results there at least. And slowly that hopefully starts to ignite some passion back again. And they might, 
this big picture is going to work for them. They just need a little bit of patience, right? And I'm hoping they're not in the spot right. where, hey, we're, we're going bankrupt. We aren't going to last two weeks from now. Can you come help us now? That's a really tough thing to do. It's pretty much impossible. You should have called me. You should have called me a year yeah. ago. <laughs> exactly, and I've had some of those where, you know, we're we're basically draining money like crazy, and and I just can't do it anymore. I have three, four weeks, and we're going to close. What can you do? And I'm thinking, well, unless you inject some big money, maybe we throw a concert that makes you revenue. But even then, you're telling me I have four weeks to pull that off. Like, you, you put me into an impossible situation, right? Um, and that's very hard to fix. They, they need more longevity to try and come out of that hole. But I try and set a couple of items that are that low bar, very easy to obtain, and it shows them some excitement, right? Something they've never seen in a while, and try and re-spark. Yeah. So we kind of really jumped into it there, didn't we? Uh I yeah, think it's, it's kind of cool. They sometimes do that in a book, and and you know you get right into the middle of somebody's thing that's going on, and then they you know and then they go back to the very beginning. So let's go a little <laughs> bit back to the very beginning, and talk more about who you are and uh, what kinds of clients you're you know any details you can share with the kinds of clients that you work with um, right now, and um, you know just the kind of stuff. Give us a give us a picture of what your life is like. Great. Uh, well, I started uh, if I can take it back in history just for a couple minutes then. Uh, I started as uh, uh, my late teen, so in in late high school, early college. Everybody has that part-time job to get through college and whatnot, have some spending Mm -hmm. money. People do retail, people do bartenders. I was in nightlife, so I I started uh, running events, promoting bars and venues, hiring bands, things like that. I thought that was a fun way. I was always a marketing guy, even as as a youngster, so I thought that would would be right up my alley, and it was. it was. It was lots of fun. And from there, I quickly thought, okay, the entertainment music industry is fun. I love it. I'm good at this side of the business. I'm not a good singer or a producer, so why don't I do the business side? That's, that's, that's right up my alley. And so I thought, this is my long-term goal. Um, how am I going to step my step all the way through there? Even to this day now, some on years later, there are still people who are local and called promoters, and they haven't expanded. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you're kind of stuck with your local market. I knew I wanted to get international, so... Right from an early age, I thought, great, let's get this experience as the local promoter, local bar booker, and, and talent, uh, you know, marketing person. How can I get more celebrity status, meaning how can I expand my reach? And from there, I thought, I'm going to create a radio show to help some of the artists I'm working with. Did that, syndicated it throughout the world, 350 radio stations, which was great. Got on television, same music television, like an MTV channel. So I got to interview people like Richard Branson, Lady Gaga, the Backstreet Boys, Tommy Lee, all those fun characters. And throughout all that, wow. I kept building relationships um, with managers and agents and venue owners because I wanted to continue to expand. I, of course, had left the, the local nightclub and bar kind of realm and continued to be a consultant to larger venues throughout North America and then UK and Australia, and now working with talent so up-and-coming musicians on how to get the best exposure. It's tough for them to get a record label deal, and even when they do, sometimes they need a little bit more push. I work with record labels. Also, festivals. So I have three or four under my belt now, depending on the season. Um, large scale, 25,000, 30,000 people as well, and heading up their digital marketing, creating their brands, and pushing that out on social media. And it's been a fun ride. So that's a quick uh, few-minute capsule of, of my start to now. And like I mentioned, it it's keeps me uh, excited every day. Sounds totally simple. I think everybody should just go ahead and do that. We can knock this out in no time. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I love it when we, when, we, when we break it down like that. I love that. It sounds just like it, it's awesome. But it's also like a Facebook highlight reel, or that's really what Facebook is, isn't it? You only get to see the meals that people really loved and enjoyed and the concerts that they are at and all the highlight stuff when they finally got up on one ski in the uh, in the lake and <laughs> all of those yeah. things. But, you know, probably you've learned some pretty hard lessons that you have been passing on to clients as far as uh, marketing and, and uh, especially online. One of the things that occurred to me is you were probably around in the early days when people started figuring out we didn't need record labels like we used to. And I bring this up because it's relevant to all businesses, I think. When people started to become YouTube stars and started to have their own following, and 
I mean, I'm sure that you were around to see that that was massive leverage where it didn't exist before until social media really started to take off. Didn't that affect, and do you still use that to this day to help leverage deals for people and leverage uh, joint ventures or, or whatever else you're trying to accomplish for clients? Yeah, absolutely. That's 100% true. You know, I always say the Internet's the great equalizer. So back in the day, whether we're talking about record labels being the marketing machine or if we're talking about a, a venue, concert would go to radio and print, that would be the marketing arm. Or whether you're just a regular business and you would be in the yellow pages, things like that. The Internet has now equalized everything. You don't have to go to someone necessarily to give you the traffic. You can be a YouTube star and get the following, or you can utilize your own Facebook advertising expertise, or have somebody teach you how to do it, however you want it to, to work. But you can be huge without having to be in the old traditional system. So like you mentioned with YouTube stars for a musician, you can make a lot of money without ever needing a record label in their lives. And in fact, many record labels sit back and watch somebody try and gain their own fan base bubble as much as possible before they step in and really sometimes the musician has more leverage saying what do i need you for now now record labels can take them to a different level maybe they're going to inject a bunch of money to move them faster but there's a lot of musicians that maybe lose a big piece of their pie and technically they could stay very happy and in full control making a great living doing it themselves so it's up to them to decide on that right same with let's say venues if we're talking about back in the day we would write a check to radio station maybe the, the dj would come out and, and host that friday night and the radio station would make the ads for us it would go on all week long and people would show up well that doesn't work anymore not only are people listening to radio a lot less but there's so much segmentation out there and control on social media of where people want to go you need to be there you need to play on that same box now so people can take it into their own hands now. Create a brand on social media. You have your Facebook pages, your Instagram, and, and all those other ones, Snapchat, Twitter, wherever your demographic is, and start creating a brand, advertising there, making them really fall in love with your brand and, and your venue or your business, and they'll start coming out. You can completely cut out radio and TV and print and all of that stuff. Many of my venues do that. They don't use any of the traditional mediums. But I think when you kind of alluded to earlier, things that have changed – and that's important, pivoting. I've done that in my own business with myself, and I try and teach that to a lot of venues and artists, things like that. You need to keep an eye on what's happening now, what's trending in the near future, and see if you need to pivot. If you're still doing the same old thing, what used to work, it's like we talked about earlier, the owners, that just will not change, and you can't pivot, well, you are technically going to be out of business if you're not already out of business. Yeah. Oh, man, we've been pivoting so much. It's, uh, it's a dizzy-inducing um, thing. I mean, that's just the, that's the way it is nowadays. I mean, and if you get really good at pivoting, though, you can, there's so much massive leverage in that sometimes because there's so many people that just don't. And they're just not light on their feet, and they, they don't come from a world where – or they just don't have the makeup or whatever it might be to just turn on a dime and be able to um, see an opportunity, take advantage of it, and and go for it. One of the things that was that you brought to mind, I think it's a really great example because you're coming from the entertainment industry, and you work with artists, right? Um, and they they want to they want to do what they're good at. They want to do what they love. And when you were men mentioning Instagram and blah 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 blah, and there's a lot of artists who have really done a, a pretty good job, at least from my perspective, of balancing the art with the business, like having to keep up. I mean, everything they do, they're like, all right, let's go update Facebook. Let's do a live. Let's do a hangout. Let's do, you know, and they, they carry their business with them. They don't get completely lost in their art to the point that they're terrible business people. I think, you know, late model musicians and artists are really, really good at that. They, they grew up in it, and, and it's easy for them. But business people don't treat themselves like artists, like businesses that are not – you know, music, entertainment related, they're, they're, they don't call themselves, I'm an artist at what I do, I'm an mm -hmm. expert is what they call themselves. And so they really just jump in with both feet saying, I've got to do all this stuff. I mean, here's another guy on this podcast saying we got to, you know, have our exposure has to be there, it has to be on all these different channels, but but I want to just be an expert. I don't want to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Can you talk to that issue about how you get people you know, into what you want them to buy in for. Maybe you can cover that. What do you need 
people like that to buy into and say, all right, you've got to make this commitment. You've got to show up on Twitter or you've got to show up here from now on in this way, and I'll, I'll help you or I'll take care of the rest of this stuff. How does that break down so that you don't freak clients out by all mm-hmm. the extra stuff who are really wanting to hold on to their art and be that? That's what they want to be. They don't want to turn into a, a, a suit, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it's true, especially for musicians. You know, that's why they want the record label deal because they could, they could just worry about their art, their music, and the record label will do the business side. Now, with that, we hear all the horror stories of nobody getting paid well. They make only 5 or 10% of their sales. But that's because the label says, I'm doing all the work, technically. Yes, you have great music, but so does the guy beside you and the guy beside you. And we have a limited capacity of who we're going to put out. So if we're going to take you on and do all the marketing and investment and all that stuff with your great music, we're going to take a chunk of that pie, the majority of it. And that's why they want the label deal, but then they get hesitant on, but I have to give up. So there's going to be some sort of trade-off and balance. And I think the, the key mm-hmm. scary words are you're going to trade hustle for money, right? So and any business owner that wants to just be the expert and put up a website and then sit back, you either have to hire somebody to get exposure for you or make advertisements in the radio and yellow pages, which may not work anymore, depending on your demographic, or you're going to have to hustle. And that means you get to post on social media every day, and you get to figure out what you want to say, have full control of that, but that hustle now will bring in clients, and that will make you more money and more profit because you're not necessarily giving it to somebody else. Somebody can hire me to do all the work for them, but I will have a certain fee associated with that. What I like to do is let me just coach you on best practices. So you don't have to spend all your money on me. I'll teach you how to do it. You do your daily posts. I'll show you, look, these are the charts that work well, and you adjust within that. My fees are much smaller because I'm an expert and I'm sharing my expertise, but they get to have the hustle during the day, save that money, and make even more margin. But again, if they don't have the hustle mentality and they just want the clients to start rolling in, well, where's the trade-off? Something has to give. If you just want to sit back and let the clients come to you, much like uh, an artist, you know, a record label is going to bring you the sales, what are you giving up for that? A big piece of pie? A big referral fee? It depends on your business, but you have to trade that hustle for money. Either you spend and pay and the leads come to you, or you do the hustle and you, you have to just do it, but then the leads come to you in that respect and you make more margin. And it depends on the person. Some people just are like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to do it. Here's a chunk of money. Do it for me. Right? And that's just a decision that each business owner needs to make. But they do have to decide, look, it's not just going to come flooding in magically. Many venue owners and other businesses I've worked with say, well, I have a Facebook page. Facebook sucks. I get nothing out of it. I'm thinking, (laughs) what are you doing on there? You know, you have 42 likes. You post once a month. You know what I mean? There's no advertisement, yeah. so your reach is, like, basically non-existent. What did you think was going to happen? You make a page and everybody would automatically think to go search you out and give you money? Like, that's not how it works, right? It's like having a, a storefront, no sign, and your doors are locked almost, right? Because what did you think was going to happen there? So they need to kind of get into the, the new way of doing things, but also put that hustle into it. What are your... What are your favorite low-hanging fruit things to do when you find someone in a situation, they found you, they hire you, you're now in charge of, you know, uh, getting this dog to hunt, so to speak, <laughs> and, it's got, and they've got a Facebook page with 42 likes and one uh, update in the last month, and uh, they don't have other accounts, and they're, I mean, it's really just starting almost at a dead stop compared to what you're used to when you get things really going when you're working with really big clients that are firing on all cylinders if you get somebody like that or somebody has stagnated they've got 12,000 followers on uh, Facebook or 112,000 but things just yeah they're not there what do you do mm-hmm. you know to show them you talked earlier about short term you want to keep people interested and engaged and excited you don't want to completely present long term uh, solutions. You got to get them something short and sweet and impactful in the very beginning. What are some of your favorite go-tos to do that? Uh, I, I'd like to start with what their main goal is at the end, so that when I deconstruct, I I understand we're going down the right road and not zigzagging everywhere. So maybe they just want better exposure. That could be the the big goal at the end. So that's more likes. They want more reach on their posts, and they think in the end that's going to automatically get them more business. And, and usually it does. It's brand awareness there. Maybe they want leads, and that's a specific different goal. So they may not require 
a ton of likes. Maybe we need to build a strategy to get them in leads. So we need to build some sort of funnel and maybe spend a little bit of dollars getting traffic to that funnel that converts, right? Or, or it could be leads. It could be just sales to a product. Um, there could be two different goals. So between those two, I can deconstruct all the way to the bottom now and say, okay, what are really easy attainable goals though from here? So if it's a brand awareness play, then I say, cool, what we're going to do is let's go and connect with a couple of influencers in the area that can help share your posts, get a little bit more traction, and why don't we throw a few dollars towards a few posts so I can show you the reach you can get. Right now you have 42 likes, you post, three people see it, one person likes it, it's probably your brother <laughs> or your employee, mm-hmm. so that doesn't really count anyway. But let's, let me show you what $10 does. Now this isn't going to make you a millionaire, but let me just show you what $10 does, which you could never buy for $10 on radio or yellow pages, and show them. Maybe we can reach 1,000 people locally that are directly targeted, right? And we all know that if we're, we're kind of in the business. But, but some of these guys who have, have nothing going on don't know it, or they don't know how to attain that. And that could be a very low-lying, exciting goal to hit. If it's lead generation, let's, let's create a funnel. Let's, let's put a quick web page together that says, here is my quick three-minute video. And here's the form. Now, if I throw a couple dollars that way and somebody lands on that, will they give you their email address? Now, if they see that and they have that low-lying fruit, so to speak, and they get one lead in or they get some traffic to it and they see that people have watched the video, then their imagination starts to go wild. Look, you threw $20 to this. If I gave you $100, what would that mean? You know, I get that all the time. Look, are you just handcuffed to the amount of money I'm giving you? Let's do more. Because they start seeing some results, as long as they understand that it could be a long-term goal, they get excited about the results that could happen. So if $5 got me 1,000 people, what would $100 get me? Would that get me a lot more exposure? Would that get me more likes? Yes, it would. Now, with that said, you don't want to just throw money to the same ad or same post and just blow your money because people could burn out. There's going to be strategy behind that. But people will at least get excited because they've seen some success, and they say, wow, if we do more of this in a strategic way, we will get more. And that's just how it works. Yeah. One of the things Gina is famous for is being a connector. And anybody like you who are in a space for quite a while has come to meet an awful lot of very serious people, (laughs) people who are (laughs) successful, people who are high-profile. Is one of your plays often, it must be, that you – you see a client or they're a prospect and you're, you're interviewing them, you're, you're talking to them, seeing if maybe there's something there and you start to learn about who they are, what they're doing, what their business is. I, I mean, some things have to fire off in your brain like, oh my God, so-and-so would be perfect for this or this person needs to, I need to hook them up with them. And, and I mean, I include that in my pitches <laughs> to people. It's like you, you can't help it, right? So leveraging just by getting people together, doing joint ventures or, or anything like that, how does that play um, or how does that come into play in your business when you're working with prospects or clients? Yeah, I mean, like you just mentioned, I mean, you're always starting to build relationships. And like I said in the early story, uh, I, I, as I built from just nightclub promoter to where I am now, you're forging relationships, and that's with agencies for my business and, and with other talent and venues and owners and uh, managers. So and, and it could be service people too, like ticketing companies and, and whatnot. You just forge good relationships. And I think in every business, there's still people-to-people businesses, referrals, and helping each other out. You've also played in their worlds a little bit, so you know who might be best fit. And so that happens all the time in my business as well. A venue could be struggling with certain ticketing, and I know, look, these two or three players are the guys I work with all the time. I've tried them all. Here's who I recommend. And they all help each other out. And since, let's say, I'm bringing them in as a referral, they'll treat them really, really well, like they're, you know, a friend type of idea. Look, let's build your site properly. Let's make sure it's mobile friendly. That's going to help your conversion and sell you more tickets. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a great uh, band or a great DJ producer, and, and they're really ready to pop. I can send a few emails to agents and managers, perhaps, and say, guys, have a listen to these guys. You know, Previously, you send that cold, and you may not get a listen at all. I know I get lots of music in my inbox as well, and sometimes you just can't get to them all. So what's going to have that, that connection? And that person-to-person connection is going to be really important, uh, absolutely. If I send a, a, a music to an agent, they're going to listen to that song, whether they like it or not or sign it or not. That, 
up to them, and at least they're going to give it a listen. That door is going to be open because of that relationship. What kind of a value do you place on your little black book or large black book of connections? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking because I'm not sure how, how other people do value it. I have an inkling that they don't realize the resources they have at their fingertips when they um, have done some networking and maybe done a year or two in their business, and that's a long time if you go to – um, conferences and, and, and things like that, and you meet lots of people. And I mean, how do you value that part of your business that, that is only and uniquely you? That is your fingerprint, and it's completely you. It's the people you know, the relationships that you've built. That has to be like a huge, huge part of the value statement of working with you, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. It, it, like you mentioned, when you're going to conferences, and I do speaking as well, uh, at these conferences, so I start to forge a lot of relationships, and that, that black book, that Rolodex, just gets bigger and bigger of not just business cards that I've collected, but actual relationships that I'm building. So, I mean, to put a number yeah. value, I, I, it's, it's priceless, right? It depends on, on which connection is going to help who. Now, a festival just recently, one of my festival clients, um, they want to make some changes, like I mentioned earlier, to ticketing, and one of my other good relationships is with a large, one of the largest in the world, ticketing companies. I connected the two saying, guys, you need to change. These guys I trust well. The ticketing company says, great, we'll treat the festival like our baby. They got together, and it's, it's been expanded into some amazing relationships. Grant writers, um, you know, new ticketing, some sponsorship dollars. Like, it was just worth so much to the festival by having that connection. So to put a dollar value on it, I mean, that particular case is worth – six figures and more to them in sponsor dollars and, and just in fee savings and things like that. And for me, I, I like to just connect the right people at the right time if we're working together. Sometimes, of course, I do favors as well of a friend that I'm not working with that, look, I think this would be a good connection, but it's like an endorsement, right? So I have to be very careful of who I connect. I like to be able to work with somebody for a bit, know that they're going to take that connection seriously. I, I really hate making yeah. a relationship connection and they not take it seriously or they throw it down the tubes and it makes me look bad, right? Like, oh, why did you connect me to them? They, they suck, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they didn't treat us well at yeah. all and they wanted favors for us. So I really like to work with people, know them and say, it's just like, I don't know, not that I've ever hooked up anybody dating-wise, but you want to make sure it's the right connection, right? You don't just throw yeah. names. Oh, it's not this guy on Facebook. I think he might be good for you and, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and then start connecting people. Like, you, you want to do something similar. Yeah. Your relationships are checks you can continue to cash in so far as you take care of those relationships and nurture them over time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean there? and there's there's always yeah, and, and there's times that I, I like to utilize the relationships as well. Like I'm gonna be doing a music marketing master class throughout the United States and, and wanna have um, you know, hotel rooms covered if I can or sponsored and, and have the conference room. So I'm gonna wanna you know, pick off some of my own relationships and say you know, how can I help you guys expose your brand and, and get you involved somehow? And in return, maybe this is how I can be compensated somehow. And it doesn't always have to be a cash dollar. But having that brand connection for me with them is very important to them. Um, and likewise. So I, I, I like to keep the relationships as, as clean as possible so that there's no bad taste ever, right? You want to treat them like friends. Yeah. So... Somebody out there right now listening is saying, well, this is great. Another person who's succeeded and has put in the work and the time and has got all these connections and all these clients and, you know, can sit back and, and not be so worried as I am right now about my brand-new fledgling business where I don't have very many connections or any yet, and I'm just getting started. Why don't you ask the guy what he would do if he lost all of his connections and he was starting out today in, let's give some sort of industry or at least a gist of an industry in consulting or coaching, a coaching business. Mm -hmm. And I'll leave it at that. You can, you can fill in the blanks from there. But you have something to work with. Ask him what he would do starting from scratch, knowing what you know now, how quickly do you think you could be up and running in a new uh, coaching consulting business? Um, I could be up and running today. And I think to get clients in might take a small amount of time. And I think the biggest leverage to use is making yourself an authority. And I know everybody's heard the same phrase, and I think that's very important. I would make sure if I knew things, I would share that with people so they can read it or listen to it if it's on a podcast or see it if I make a YouTube video and say, aha, uh -huh, that makes sense to me. 
And the more you can do that, the more authority you create, and the quicker you become a consultant people actually want to work with. So, and again, like I mentioned, the Internet being the great equalizer, if I started at zero, maybe I have a little bit of dollars to play with, not a lot, $5 here, $100 here, I can, I can expose those articles, those podcasts, those videos to the right people and get them to pay attention. And that's what's going to work a lot quicker. So somebody who's out there that has a fledgling business and, you know, let's say they're a consultant or a web programmer or a designer or whatever they are, I would ask, you know, what's the hustle you're not doing right now? Because of the Internet out there and social media, everybody has a very level playing field at some level. Let's say you had a million dollars to spend. You could grow quicker, but you can also lose that factor too. But somebody who has zero dollars and bootstraps can still grow. You know, you may not grow in three yeah. weeks but you can grow and start putting money on the table. So what's the hustle that's not going on right now? Or you're just sitting back saying it's very hard. Yes, because there's lots of noise out there. But again, sit back and think. Get a piece of paper or pull up your Mac or whatever it is and say, what can I do a little bit different that gets a little bit of attention? So for me, I'm a marketing guy, and we probably have the same you know, comments between me and the other marketing person beside me and the other one beside him. But I have a specific Niche market. It's entertainment industry. It's music. It's it's television. It's festivals. But some of these things transfer to every business, and it becomes a cool story. Like our podcast here. I'm sure there's not a million musicians, if any, listening right now to this live show. But there could be a lot of people saying those make sense to me. If you can do it in in the shark infested waters of music, I can do it as my flower shop, or I can do it as my web design business. I can take some of those ideas. But I have a specific yeah. story I can tell to get people to be interested in me. That's why I'm on the show probably, right? It's got an interesting slant. Um, but other people out there that are not making it or just started, you just need to get that hustle going. You need to start putting up content that makes sense to people. Maybe not everybody, but there's going to be a certain audience that says, ah, that's cool, I like what you say. And then from there you'll gain followers, and there you'll gain clients. Every time I do a speaking gig, I get clients. If I get up there and I just – give information. I tell, you know, I tell how it is. I have some fun stories. And there's always people that say, I need to work with you. I need to learn more than just this one hour or 40 minutes. So you get out in front of people. If you can't be a speaker, then you put it on YouTube. Same thing, right? I think, I think yeah. the, the quickest way if I started from zero would go right back to how do I become an authority, take whatever experience I have, whether it's 20 years or one year, and start putting that out there to help people. Not being a fake expert, so if somebody just started and has no expertise, don't pretend that you're a millionaire or you've made millionaires because people will see through that. You know, don't, don't watch another webinar and say, well, that sounds easy, Facebook ad, lead generation, millionaire, great, and then put out your own because you're not that expert. But there's going to be something yeah. you know, something you've tried, right? That'll be interesting. Well, and once you have that body of work out there, let's let's continue this little thought train here. You have done this, and you have, let's say it's a month down the road, and you can move really quickly. You knew exactly what to do, and all the things that you just listed are now underway, and some completed. Now you have a body, a little tiny body of work, right, that you can point to. What do you do when you realize that you don't want to build this thing completely from the bottom up, completely from your own hustle, your own sweat, and shaking hands, so to speak, with every new Facebook fan and every new subscriber, but because you had to yank them all in almost individually, I know that your next thing is going to be thinking about leverage. So how do you do relationships? How do you look for the highest point of leverage you can get? We're a month into this business now. You've got that body of work to point to. It's not huge. It's not fabulous. It's not 50 years' worth of stuff, but it is something where do you start looking for points of leverage in your industry? Now, we haven't really said an industry here, but you're a coach, you're a consultant. Where do you start looking to get people who have already been around for 90 years to put their arm around you virtually and say, listen to this guy, he's cool, go check out his site, put something up on their Facebook feed or, or whatever. What's your, what's your strategy when you're looking at things like that? I, I would take, you know, and, and it's funny because sometimes it takes that one article or that one YouTube video that yeah. could be the driver of all this. So like you mentioned, you could be only a month into your business. You have some articles, a couple of YouTube videos, but it only takes one, you know, that really good one to really drive you forward. So you don't have to worry about having, you know, a book full of stuff, which could be something you do a year down the road. You have so many blog articles, you actually make a book, and I would say do it. But let's say for now, 
I would take that one article and start sharing that idea with influencers like we mentioned. Start going to podcasts. It's, it's something that I've been doing too. Like I listen to this podcast, many other podcasts, and I email or I have my assistant now email, hey, Lobie likes your podcast and it fits. Here's this quick little blurb, a story. You want to check it out online? Great. And then we share our influencers. I'm on your show. I share the show with my fans. You know, there's, there's a little bit of leverage there. So you have an audience. So if I had no audience, you might still say, you know what? I may not get anything out of Louie, but I like his story. So my audience will get something. And then I get on the show. So I would utilize any of those things. Go to blogs and websites that have articles. Ask. Hey, I, I have this article that I wrote on my own blog. I speak on this kind of topic. I'm this type of consultant, and I think I have a cool slant. Can I write an article for you? Many will say no. One or two might say yes, and then leverage that. Hey, I was featured in this website, how small it is. And then you try and level up from there. Take that and your next email to the next bunch of people. If I have this article, and I've now been featured in this blog and this blog and that podcast, would you like to feature me too? Or can I give some content to your audience, whether it's writing or whether it's on a podcast? They now see that you've been on other people's websites and other podcasts, and they'll leverage that. And they'll one-up you another one. And you just keep building from there. And none of that is paid ads right now. Paid ads is another way you can leverage audience very quickly. You take that great article, yeah. YouTube video, and you spend targeted ads, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and you put it right in front of the right people. That's a very quick way to, to leverage audience, and that's with some dollars. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, depending on how much traffic you want, but you could definitely use that as well. Yeah. It's it's really amazing. It, bring, it brings to mind, and I probably shouldn't bring it up because I can't remember the guy who did it or anything about it, other than that he took a paper clip and turned it into a house. Right, and I remember that. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that story? You remember that? It was pretty big, like, I don't know, eight years ago or something. And, yeah. But that's exactly what you just described from a business perspective and and stacking leverage, which is what we call it in the Leverage Black Book. We stack leverage. You just keep going mm-hmm. and going, and you keep – you're building the ladder under you. So you keep putting a new rung under the ladder, at ladder and stepping up. And uh, it's not complete until it is. <laughs> but if yeah. people stop or stall on that or they don't realize really the assets that they have, I mean, you said earlier that it was really important to pe- for people to take stock or you, you gave that idea that you should really look at what you have um, available to you. And, and, or maybe I did. One of us said that. And somebody can go back in the archives and find it. <laughs> but, but I think that's really important here. You know, do you find a lot of clients when they're coming to you, a lot of people who ask you for help? Um, are, I always tell this story about a guy who's a friend of mine, a park ranger in Death Valley. And he, um, he had to sometimes take on some pretty grim jobs. One of them was search and rescue. And uh, a German tourist had just rented an RV um, for the week and by himself and went out in the middle of Death Valley in the summertime, which is the worst <laughs> time to be in the place called Death Valley. But right. he um, he expired. They went, they, you know, his family called the park and said we haven't heard from Hans or whoever he was, and so they did search and rescue. They found him. He was dead. And uh, Rod, who was um, you know really good in the wilderness, really good with survival and things said that this guy died within 300 yards of everything it would have taken for him to live everything that it would have taken for him to have enough life left in him that when we found him we could save him and that story has always stuck with me because i find a lot of people coming to me and gina and and you probably too who are like desperate they're like that guy in the final moments of his life surrounded by all the things that it would take for them to survive as a business and not only that but thrive and explode. Do you find that often too? I do. It's that, it's that giving up factor. And I think, you know, we can read a ton of books and famous musicians and, and, and famous business people, and they always say the same thing, don't give up, you'll get there. And I think that just comes down to the consistency aspect. You, you find your goal at the end and you just be consistent. Like you mentioned, building the ladder under you, and you get so close and you get frustrated sometimes and you stop and you don't reach where you want to reach, and it's just because you gave up. You know, you just stopped, stopped your goal, and you didn't get there. And I think there's something to be said about that story and, and it being so close to, you know, everything that the guy needed to survive. Or I've seen this, this the cartoon meme or image that everybody's seen where the guy's digging a, a hole and he's so close to the diamond and the other guy turns around. You know, that kind of idea. Yeah. Um, we see that out there, and it's so true. And I think people – 
again, may, maybe they have a, such a far goal that they think they can never reach, and then if they don't get there, they're halfway there, they stop. That's why I like to have these mini, mini goals. And it keeps you motivated. It keeps you going. Right? Mm. And, and like we mentioned earlier, like you can level up. If you're like, well, I want to be famous and, and, and play Madison Square Garden one day, that's great. But when do you give up in between there if you don't get there? Right? Some people get there. Or what if, what if you don't have goals, anything but... to be happy about in the meantime, right? Like, yeah, you do give up. The there, only right? thing that's going to make you happy is playing Madison Square, and you, and you just think you're going to use willpower to get from <laughs> here to there with nothing to sustain you in between. Man, you're not probably going to make it, or you've got extraordinary right. willpower that I've never heard of before. And then what happens when you get there? And you make it. Do you still feel sort of empty because you got there and now what's next? Like, uh, you have to really have a right mindset, right? Or sometimes you got there yeah. and you're done and you're like, can I retire on top? Like, some people just said what's next and they don't have a what's next, right? You need to be happy all the way through, every day. Like we mentioned really early in the podcast, we wake up and we're happy about doing something, right? So I think if yeah. you have those mini goals, it's like all the little mini battles or every yard counts towards that touchdown. I don't really want to say it. You've got to be happy about those small wins. And that's where I like to say, like, let's build a couple of – have the big goal. Now, what's the, the low-lying fruit? What are the small wins that we can accomplish? Hey, five more people came out this week for dinner. Wow, we got one extra birthday booking. Hey, you got 100 more spins this week on your Spotify. That's not going to make you any money whatsoever. But – Let's celebrate those small wins because that keeps you motivated to keep going. Otherwise, you're going to say, yeah, big deal. I have 10,000 spins. I made 100 bucks. Big deal. My career is over. And you give up. 10,000 spins yeah. is a lot, <laughs> right? But if you don't consider yeah. that a small win, yes, you will give up, and you'll never play Madison Square Garden or whatever your end, end result is, right? Same with, you know, yes, I've made four articles. Nobody wants to read them. I suck. Well, that's your mindset telling you that and that you want to give up. Look, now that the world is completely open with the Internet, there's an audience for everything. And trust me when I say I've seen YouTube stars and, and watched them find an audience that to me make no sense sometimes, or I've seen music that are like, why are people listening to this? This is crazy. I can't believe this is on here. But to have millions of views on YouTube, because there's an audience for everything. Everybody out there, don't feel discouraged that, well, nobody's going to want to hear my story or my expertise. Yeah, they will. You just got to find them. They definitely will. There's an audience for everything. <laughs> right. Well, and isn't it also a little bit of a problem when people are like, well, it seems like people are paying attention to Kardashians now, so I need my message to be like theirs. Because if people are paying attention to them, and I and I I put myself in a little bit of a bubble, and all I can see is Kim Kardashian's butt on the screen going, that's what my <laughs> business needs to say. I mean, but that's not really it, is it? It's It's really actually the opposite direction that we would tell people to go in, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, if you talk about the Kardashians or other, like, they, they have such a brand that they have built, though, don't forget. So they cause a lot of right. noise around you. It's almost like saying, well, that race car is what I need to be in, and I'm going to drive my, whatever, Toyota on the racetrack because that's what's going on. Well, you're never going to win because that race car is going very fast, and it's a race car now, right? Until you build yeah. up to being that, and you can compete in that. And that's why there's the TMZs, and they get themselves into all kinds of stuff to stay in the news on their own level, Right. Um, they have to do things to keep themselves out, out and, and exposed. But you don't have to be, you know, what, if you want to call the Kardashians, like, you know, more of that celebrity shallowness, like whatever they do, sometimes people make fun of. Like you don't have to be that for your business unless it fits your business. And even then, now you're playing in that sandbox. It's very noisy, and there's a lot of power hitters there already, right? You need to find your own audience. Yeah. If, that's who you, if, you, if you are like the Kardashians, Sure, but don't forget, people will say, you're just acting like the Kardashians, so why don't I just go watch the real thing, like the race car? Why am I driving my Toyota when I can just go drive the race car and actually maybe win, right? So you have to be careful yeah. of what, what sandbox you're playing in and not have to follow everybody. You can watch them closely, though, and you can say, I get what they're doing. I'm going to take those right. notes, and I can apply it to myself somehow, right? If that fits your audience and that fits your brand, you can study that. I understand how a lot of commercials yeah. are like, so here's an example, self-driving cars, right? Teslas are out and, you know, some people have them, but there's a lot of people who are scared. They're like, hey, I'm not trusting the robot. I'm a better driver than the machine, right? So I had this conversation this week with uh, a gentleman who's like, there's no way nobody's going to do self-car, you know, self-driving cars and crazy. And I said, watch commercials for the next couple of days. I've seen Mazda, Ford, Toyota, whoever else. 
they're starting to put commercials on that you get when you're driving your car, you daydream, all of a sudden, beep, 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 it does lane assist, or it stops for you, or you look in your rearview mirror, and you're, you're a soccer mom, and you're very, very, you know, you're, you're watching your kids, and all of a sudden, it slams the brakes for you. It's very slowly, slightly telling you, okay, you're a good person, but don't worry, the machine's got your back. And after a year, yeah. two years, you know, you slowly see these commercials. And then you know, it started out with it just said parallel parking. Well, you're not good at parking? No big deal. Yeah. Lexus, Lexus will do it. That was, what, a couple years ago. Now it's like, hey, no problem. If you daydream about being a basketball player, the car will stop for you. It's slowly getting us into the user behavior of, man, maybe the machine is better than me. A couple years from now, all these self-driving cars are going to be a lot more prevalent and a lot more accepted. Because it just they slowly creep you towards that. Now I can look at that commercial and deconstruct exactly what they're doing because I'm in the marketing aspect, right? And I can see that. So somebody has to do that similar thing when they're watching other social media accounts. What are they doing and why? There's always got to be some strategy, right? Like why does somebody care that I posted my whatever fries, right? Like why do they care? Why am I doing this? Why am I posting that? Why are they doing it and why do people like it? So you can deconstruct and start to make your own plan. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's like you don't you don't say I want to be Tony Robbins. I don't. I want to be like you know. I have something that is just as good as his thing or whatever. I'm like you. You want to be, you know, even like him. Are you ready to go back 40 years and have an abusive childhood and everything mm. that it took to make Tony Robbins? Because you can't right. just replicate that stuff. That's a that's a fingerprint. That's DNA. That's hard earned. Road miles. <laughs> it is. But it is. what you said about, you know, it's a story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it, but it really is just about looking at what is possible, being inspired by that, and paving your own road, isn't it? And, and mm-hmm. people will notice you by how uniquely paved your road is, that you don't, that you're not trying to be like everybody else or anybody else. I mean, people love artists, artists, you know, painters and things that come out with the really, really wild stuff. It's not another damn uh, tomato can of uh, soup, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's something new and fresh. And those guys are the ones that get the big gallery showings and everything, right? Yeah, because people finally, it, it bubbles throughout above the noise, right? And, and there's so much noise out there, especially now with social media and all the different platforms, and whether that's the 50 channels on radio, all the podcasts, all the hundreds of channels on TV, uh, everything, you know what I mean? Like, uh, all the social media platforms, Snapchat, Twitter, Peach now, and Musical.ly, and Facebook, and Instagram, and there's just so much attention being split up everywhere. So you need to figure out where my audience is, first of all. No use wasting your time on Snapchat. If nobody's on Snapchat right now, you can slowly build that up, but don't go crazy over it. But wherever your audience is, what do you put on there to, to bubble through, you know, above the noise? And so, like, if you want to be like a Tony Robbins, okay, great, he's motivational, but maybe deconstruct what he does. You could take your own story, but what is he doing? Speaking, books, audio books, courses. So maybe that's the end result if you want to be like a Tony Robbins. What are the things that he does that you can now put together slowly? And, yes, 20, 40 years of that to get big enough. But what are the things he's doing so that you can kind of see his blueprint and say, what fits me in my own story, and how do I utilize that? How do I utilize a similar blueprint, right? Oh. I mean, people are looking for people and more than ever in history and, and not, uh, you know, a vacuum cleaner company. You know, we haven't mm-hmm. had a Sears catalog for quite a long time because it doesn't match the narrative that humanity is telling itself anymore. I want to know who made that thing. I want to know whose idea it was. I want the guy who made the vacuum to get on his own damn commercial and talk in a British accent about how much it sucks. Literally. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm. I, that's what I want to know, and that's how they're selling things now. That's how people sell stuff. It's a, it's quite amazing um, that there are still people, many, many people around who, um, you know, I don't even know who told them about the old school way, but it's not easily accessible anymore other than age, how some people <laughs> remember mm-hmm. the impersonal era of marketing is beyond me in 2016 going on 2017. But they do. It's It's kind of amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and I think nowadays, like you, like you mentioned, it, it, the infotainment, the entertainment style of marketing, the content marketing is starting to come around. I think there was a whole chunk of years where we were just, and we still are, and it's no longer working, though, the bombardment of the basic ads. 
You know, we see the banner ads, the intrusive pop-ups. We see, you know, when you're watching television, there's tons of ads. And when you get on a TV show, the banner ads come out below telling you about another program while you're trying to watch the ad. Like, it's just nonstop, generic, old-school style of ad. Boom, here's my hard call to action. And so we're all getting... I guess we're moving towards an era of we want just content. I get it if you're trying to advertise, but I'd rather watch the shopping network that teaches me how to use this Vitamix or then watch the hard app with a picture of it saying it does whatever it does. You know what I mean? And I think we're starting to move towards yeah. that new way because we're getting so sick of ads. There's ads everywhere, everywhere we turn and look. And I think we just want to be entertained more or less. And then I think the big reason is because we have choice. Fine. I'm not going to watch TV then if you want to bombard me with ads. I'm going to go to Netflix instead where there's zero ads. You know, we have that choice now, and all that's starting to, to, to bubble up. Fine. Facebook's got ads and Instagram now. I'm going to go to Snapchat. Right now there's no ads there. So people have choice. And, you know, it's going to come down to the smart marketers create content. Whether that sells you on it or not, that's going to be the win situation. So if I create a piece of content saying, hey, guys, these are the things that a musician needs to do. A, B, C, D, whatever I want it to be, do it. Go out and do it. This is what's going to put you into level two or whatever it's going to be. Some of them are going to read that. Some of them are going to do it. Some of them are going to get scared that it's too much work and contact. Like, there's going to be stuff that comes out of that. Maybe I do that and I say, you know what, you want a bigger checklist or, or a how-to course? It's free. Give me your email. You know, there's going to be things, but I'm always giving content now. It's not just an ad that says, musicians, want to be famous? Click here and pay Louis. See, that's never going to work. Right? <laughs> it's not going to work at yeah. all. Because uh, we're just bombarded with ads, and we're starting to tune them all out. Yeah, I'm sick of radio ads. No problem. Spotify, nine bucks a month. I have hundreds of millions of songs. Zero ads, right? Um, we have choice to block out the ads. I can get ad blockers to stop pop-ups. Now, what are you going to do if that's your only way to create, you know, an email lead, and I just blocked you? Now, what are you going to do? Well, you need to give, you know, some content. So I actually want to give you your email, right? Yeah. It's a fun, fun world. I, I love this world better than the old world, the the the, the flat world <laughs> that we came from. Exactly. Because there's so many more opportunities. It shouldn't be something that confuses people and stresses them out. Although we find people in that state constantly, it shouldn't be that way. Lots of opportunity is a good thing. Being able to make choices among all of the buffet of choices that you have is another thing, and that might stress you out. But it's better to have more choices. I came from an era where you had like a bulletin board, you had to get on through AOL, and God, I just dated myself. And there was nothing you could do. I mean, there was like five websites too. There was really, right. you could get your marketing done in five minutes, not because you're so good or fast, but that's all the marketing you could do. <laughs> you know, and there was, it was boring. It was awful. It was terrible. I like the world we live in now. It's lots more mm -hmm. rich with opportunity. Given that, where, where can people find you? Where can people hook up with you and, and follow you and find out more about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I'm obviously all over social media and have my blog and link to all my podcasts on my website. And all of that is my first and last name, Louis Labella. So it's spelled L-O-U-I-E-L-A-V-E-L-L-A. -E -L -L -A. So, yeah, people can go to louislavella.com, learn about me, and uh, read my blog articles, listen to podcasts, or can find me on social media, Louis Lavella on Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter, and connect with me there. I love uh, interacting with everybody. Send questions my way, and I'll answer them, and just uh, seeing what everybody's up to around the world. Cool. And uh, we can find out, I mean, you, you probably publish all kinds of stuff about what you're up to, what you're doing, the kind of clients you're working with. I think it would be really interesting for people to check that out. I don't think that yeah. just doing, uh, just listening to this podcast gives you nearly the breadth of the scope and breadth of the things that you do. And um, I think we just, you know, kind of hit the tip of the iceberg today on, on um, you know, the kind of world that you change and affect and, 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 and live in out there. And it's very instructive. I love that it was from an entertainment angle today, but there's so many things, as you pointed out, that are so identical to any business and, and their concerns for anybody that are, that's looking to get exposure. So, Louis, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for coming out of the blue. That was so cool. We, we did not know you until we did <laughs> and met you today, so that was very, very cool. Thank you so much. And, Gina, back to you. Ibrahim, Thanks for having a me great on, guys. job Thanks for you, Louis.
Thank you so much for having me on. Thank I appreciate you. It. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Thank you.